0: Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week we speak with Scott McDonald of the band The Meeting Places. We talk about how he gets his unique shoegazy guitar sound. We also talk about some musical influences and we find out how a quartet of guitarists became an actual band with drums and bass and a singer and everything. Give him a follow at The underscore meeting underscore places on Instagram, at Meeting Places on Twitter, and the Meeting Places on Facebook. Look for the new EP really soon at TheMeetingPlaces.Bandcamp.com Follow us at PerformanceANX on Twitter and Instagram Performance Anxiety on Facebook Please, please rate and review us on all platforms It really helps us out And while you're at it, you can pick up some merch like shirts, phone cases, or shower curtains at PerformanceANX.Threadless.com Give this one a listen, it's Scott McDonald of The Meeting Places
1: Hey, this is scott mcdonald you're listening to the performance anxiety podcast with mark shea and i'm oh wait i messed up <laughs> this is scott mcdonald from the meeting places and you're listening to the performance anxiety podcast with mark shea
0: Ta-da. and uh <laughs> I'm, I'm not in dc but uh okay. i'm not really i like i love the, the nationals um Wizards are all right. I like the Caps. Never, mm-hmm. I've never been a Redskins fan. I grew up. I was born in Texas, and I grew up all up and down the East Coast. So, okay. I was a Cowboy fan forever until Jerry Jones bought the team, and then I was. I, I kind of hung in there for as long as I could, but once he uh, hired Barry Switzer, I was out. So,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> so I kind of dropped that and started watching college football. And um, my brother went to Alabama, and I, I moved down to Alabama oh, for like eight uh, years. years. Yeah,
1: so you can, see, you can see school for
0: football. Oh yeah, well he went he went there in the late '90s when they were garbage. They were just, <laughs> I mean, they, they were terrible. You know, if if we made the SEC playoff, the SEC championship, it was a blessing. So, yeah, the past uh, the past few years have been wonderful because I became a huge fan because I used to go to all the games with him, so mm-hmm. I became an enormous fan of it. So. Thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate you taking the time. I know you guys, uh, the meeting places are in the middle of recording a new EP, right?
1: Yeah, we just finished mixing. And so we'll be mastering it this, the middle of this week. And then hopefully that'll be it. I mean, mastering's usually the easiest, like you're at the finish line and everything already sounds good. So there's no, hopefully there's no, um, there's nothing else that needs to be done, but it all sounds really, really good. So it should be wrapped up this week. And then from there, We'll just have to decide on when we're actually going to be releasing it, and then there's possibility of having um, a label do some vinyl and oh wow, just sort of getting. I mean, we have an idea of what we want to do and how we sort of want to push it out there. I mean, just very a, some, just a simple way is like you know maybe having it on Bandcamp and then just pushing it out through the normal channels. And like we all have friends who are in bands or work in like uh, know people just from different publications from over the years, but. I don't know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, just don't,
0: just don't use pledge music.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're just uh, putting it out there and just hoping people, yeah, people really like it. It's been a long time since we've released something, so we're totally excited.
0: Yeah, I wanted, I want, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Your first album came out in 2003, I'm just yeah. along the way. I love that album. I, it's funny. I I was, uh, I found that album through Pandora.
1: Oh, that's funny. That happens quite a bit. We get that quite a bit. Like people find out about us through, you know, we're just attached to some sort of channel on like a streaming
0: station. Yeah. I, one of my favorite bands of all time is the Verve.
1: Oh yeah. And we're so, all huge Verve fans.
0: Oh, so yeah. So I put the Verve in as a channel on Pandora and you guys came up, a shoreline dream came up, uh, the shore oh, cool. came up a whole bunch of other bands and i was. These guys are really good, so I, I picked up the album and I loved it because it, it's just got this shoegaze quality that you just you just didn't hear much anymore. Yeah. Until until I started going through Pandora, and then I realized there's a, a new crop of bands doing shoegaze style stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you guys came out with your second album oh, what, three years later, three four years later. Yeah. Number days. That's right. Now that that album went a little heavier. There's a little the guitars are not as just it shouldn't
1: have a different sound, yeah, yeah, it's something we tried, and I don't think it's something that we all would agree on in the band that we look back and think like, oh, this is like super great, amazing, like we <laughs> I think we all we could have gone back and done things a little bit differently, but at the same time, like you have to try if you have like a gut feeling, you're like, you know, maybe I don't want to have a completely like Massive atmospheric, washed out, noisy guitar on every single track. Let's try doing things differently and yeah. put the songs together differently, and we tried it. And yeah.
0: So you you guys, <laughs> as a whole, you guys weren't really happy with with the results then, I guess. No. Man, I I, I thought it was a neat progression to be honest, because it 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 was some a of it different. I really like.
1: I think still holds up well. Like I really like um, Love Like the Movies. Like I love that song. I love playing that song live. We don't get the same kind of attention we do for the first record. Like people. From you know different countries, they will email us and send us messages like, "Oh, I love your first album," and nobody mentions the second album. Ever.
0: Really? Oh I my gosh! Didn't... I like the second album. In fact, um, there's a song I think the, that's the called Quiet
1: Appreciation. Maybe that people have. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they don't know about it. I don't know. Let's sure, to think But if you have a song, uh, sink into stone.
1: That's a really, really heavy one. We actually play that one live still. Like the last in the last year, we played some. We played a few shows, and we that always manages to be on our set list.
0: That is a great song. It's so I hear so much "My Bloody Valentine" in that song, and I, mm-hmm. that, and, and they're one of my favorite bands. So yeah, hearing same here. hearing that influence, I, I love it. I, the the chord phrasings, everything is just so reminiscent. So obviously, cool. "My Bloody Valentine" is an influence. Um, yeah. Also hear a little bit of like uh, bands like Slow Dive and...
1: For sure, absolutely.
0: And Moose.
1: Yeah, we're all huge Moose fans. The early Moose stuff is like some of the most underappreciated... I don't know of like kids in, you know, if you're like in your late teens or even up to your late 20s, like how many people really know about those sort of first three Moose EPs, even the first album, which is popular, but still is really, really good. Yeah. Like that's such an underappreciated, amazing band of that era and... You know, they just never hit it off over in the United States. They never toured. Like, they might have done some small East Coast tour stuff with, like, Cocktail Twins, but they just didn't do anything, and they're on major labels. That stuff is, I love it. It's amazing.
0: It really is, and it really kind of, it, it's one of the, the touchstones, I think, for a lot of bands that came, even even contemporaries of Moose, like Verve, and mm-hmm. I, I think they really, a lot of bands drew from Moose, and uh, in in turn influenced a lot of bands like you guys.
1: Yeah, we're all big moose fans. I mean, they were just good at creating a mood. It wasn't just I mean, they were noisy and they have like their feedback and washed out songs, but they could also do they could sort of strip things down and still sort of create like a very sort of that isolated mood and then it would switch to something else and then you'd have a more poppy song and they just I they just knew how to put songs together and they had they were just a different band, you know?
0: Yeah. One of the the things that I, I hear I'm trying to, yeah, I guess, I guess I hear it on, on both albums is, is, the, the, the slight wall of feedback that comes back. That's one of my favorite things about shoegaze type of, of music. But yeah. Every time I try to do something like that, it just goes insane and uncontrollable. <laughs> I have no idea. How do you control the feedback so well?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I played in a bunch of bands when I was younger. Like they're all shoegaze bands. And, um, I've kind of used a very similar setup. Like I just use like digital reverb coming out of racks and I use a lot of reverb. And so depending on what kind of like fuzz pedal or distortion you're using or what you want to do, like you don't need to use a lot of it. And then that sort of helps the, the reverb sort of helps shape it. But
0: okay.
1: um, I, don't know, I mean, adding like using different effects, like a course or something can, can give you like different color and that can affect the distortion. So it's just kind of been like years messing around with stuff like as simple as like a boss distortion, which I use all the time when I was like a teenager, my playing in my first band and, or like a big muff. And then now I use, I've been using a like Roger Mayer. Um, uh, what's it called? It's called a mongoose. It's like an old purple. It's like a very heavy, dark fuzz, almost like a metal pedal, but not metal. It's just very heavy, but the distortion sounds separated. It's not like where you click on a big muff or a rat. And it's just like, and it's like a, an instant wash and you might not be able to control it as well depending on like your guitar and your pickups okay. so it's just those Roger Mayer pedals it's really easy to control your feedback if you're trying if you're trying to do that you can just sort of adjust it with the volume knob and then it's not like instantly in your face kind of like when you're listening to a Jesus and Mary Chain track yeah that's just kind of always been our, our sound with the meeting places where just this really big atmospheric wall of sound
0: well, and I noticed uh, with with the progression from the first album to the second, the vocals also seem to come up a little bit in the mix. Um, is that something you're gonna that continues onto the EP?
1: Um, I think I don't think it'll be like way out in front. No, nah, it'll it'll be somewhere. It'll be like a nice balance. Like we want to have we want the whole song to sound really, really big and massive, where you can sort of hear everything, but it's not like where things are just really separated. Okay. If you're listening to like a band that has really good separation, but also can kind of have a big sound, like you were listening to that first Interpol record. Yeah. So it's a great record that has like a really, really good overall sound, but and it's very separated. But it also still has this cohesive, and vocals are kind of on the top, but they just have a big sound.
0: All right, so I, I want to go back a little bit to the beginning of the band. Uh, sure. Now you guys formed in 2001, and it's you. Uh, so you're Scott McDonald. You're on the guitar. Yeah. There's also Chase Harris, who's on guitar, Dean Yoshihara, who's on guitar, and Arthur Chan, who's on guitar. You're all four guitarists to start off yeah, with, that's, right?
1: Yeah, that's kind of how we all met. Like, we were all guitar players. And then um, Dean is the only one who could play drums. Like, Dean can play drums and play guitar. <laughs> so Dean's our drummer. And then, like, Arthur can play a bunch of instruments. So Arthur played bass. And then, you know, Chase is a singer, songwriter. Like, he's our vocalist. So he already had a lot of stuff put together. And I already sort of had like a sound of what I wanted to do or what I was kind of, we just tried it out. I'm like, I have sort of the sound that, I, that I've that i been using and it would work good if we sort of, if we tried to mix it in with more of like these songs where we can have it like, uh, you know, not totally clean, but just trying something out because I don't think they'd ever really played or heard with, been in a band with anything like that. So it just, we just kind of stuck with it and liked it and we're getting good responses. And that was just kind of our sound going forward. Everyone, when we're in the studio or we're working on stuff, like I get comments and like feedback all the time. Like, oh, we should try this or this this. And then we try it or we do stuff in the studio. It could be you know we could have stuff already laid down, and then Arthur will come in with something for guitar. that he will we'll have some sort of idea or change. So everyone is constantly, everyone always has that input. So, okay, and that's, it's that's a good thing to have.
0: Yeah, yeah, and if everyone is familiar with the guitar, then. They can actually Mm. speak intelligently to it and not just try to get some vague notion across, I guess. Right. So how did you guys actually meet up and start the band? Uh, Well,
1: I've known Arthur since high school. And then, so Arthur and I have kind of always been on the same page with music. And, you know, he and I got into like shoegaze and sort of like later high school. And, you know, like the band you're talking about, like Slow Dive and My Bloody Valentine and Verve and like Lush, just all that stuff that was coming over from England. And, you know, even some of the stateside stuff, like the Slumberland Records bands, um, like Lilies, and then, you yeah, have like Yola Tango, just all kinds of great stuff that's going on. And then, so Arthur had a former girlfriend who was roommates with Chase's wife, and so they ended up meeting at some point, right? So he was like, oh, you should meet my boyfriend. Like, he, I don't know about these bands you're talking about, but. <laughs> um, I think my, I think my boyfriend really likes that stuff. Like it sounds familiar. So, and they're like, no, nobody really listens to that stuff around here. Cause like we all kind of grew up and we're living in the South Bay at that time, which is, you know, like Redondo beach, Hermosa, Manhattan, just sort of like the beach cities of LA County. Okay. It's true. Like I grew up and like, no one's listened to that kind of stuff. It was like very, very hard to find people like that. And so they met and they're like, Oh yeah, I totally listen to this band. Oh, you like so that? Oh, me too. Yeah. Like I saw them at the Roxy blah, blah, blah this year. And. So they totally hit it off, and then Arthur's like, oh, well, I have my friend Scott, and he's played in these bands and these bands, and he's not doing anything now, so maybe we should all get together and play. And um, Chase and Dean went to University of Arizona together, and so they knew each other, and they played a little bit in a band, I believe. I don't remember the name of it, but... So it all just kind of worked out. Like, oh, I know this person who does this. We'll be another like a lead guitar player, guitar player. Oh, I know this drummer, and so, perfect
0: and all hopefully your, it doesn't suck when we get together <laughs> <laughs> and all your Never. musical tastes kind of meshed really well for so that yeah. that that helps out man.
1: so we were all on the same page and then we started playing and it just like it just hit it off it clicked really really easily it was like a very fast progression putting together songs because Chase already had stuff and we just built the sound around it and then within like the first year we were just it yeah we were playing shows and then had some labels. We sent out like demos, and then labels came back to us. So it was really fun.
0: Was music something that you had studied, or was it just a hobby? Yeah.
1: No, it was a hobby. Like, um yeah, I was just really, really into a lot of shoegaze bands, and then I found out about like the first band I played in. Actually, both the first and second band I both played in. Like, I found out about them because I was fans of them, and I would end up writing them because this is like pre-internet. So this yeah. is like, you know, and so. I would write them, and then I'd correspond, I'd go to their shows, and then I ended up joining these bands.
0: Oh, wow. That's yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, whoa. This is, like, heavy, but this is going to be really, really fun and interesting. So it was, like, you know, getting to learn and play with, like, the people that you admire the most. So that was really – I was very, very, very lucky and fortunate.
0: Is that how you ended up uh, playing with Brad Laner?
1: Yeah, that too. Like, that. that was, like, a total random thing where I had – I, was, I just moved back from Arizona. I was playing in his band Allison's Halo for a little bit. And they have some stuff um, on, like, independent project records. And... So I came back, and I was at No Life Records in L.A., which is not there anymore. But I had an ad out, and I used to list medicine on all my ads because I'm a massive fan of medicine. Like, The Buried Life is one of my favorite records. And, uh, yeah, I just think they're incredible. I think he's a a genius. So he answered the ad, but I didn't list medicine. He's like, hey, I saw your ad. Like, uh, this is Brad. Like, well, I want to go. You should come make some noise. And I've got this new project and da-da-da. He's like, I saw you didn't list medicine on your ad. Like, why not? I'm like, uh... I promise you, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like, (laughs) but like no one responds to me when I, when I list like medicine or stuff that's, you know, I don't know, maybe too noisy or uncomfortable for people. Yeah. (laughs) I was was listening more like four AD creation bands and. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it worked out. That was like, yeah, that was pretty, that was very scary at first. Um, It took a little practice to be like, Oh, I'm working. I get to be in a band with one of another, one of my heroes. And yeah, Yeah. that was really fun.
0: Yeah. And, and he's like a, a uh, major force in the in the style that you like. I mean, medicine is, it was, it was huge. Yeah, he's done medicine. so much. Major gravity. I love major gravity. So you guys, so you guys put your first album out in two thousand three, mm-hmm. and then two thousand six was the second one that nobody likes. So <laughs> then, yep. then you, you guys haven't put anything out since then, and you're and now you're working on an EP. What yep. is, is this like a My Bloody Valentine inspired hiatus? Like a nope. no.
1: No. um, So after the second record came out, we had got an opportunity to go play a couple shows in Taiwan. And at that point I was kind of like really burnt out. Um, And so I left the band for a while and they weren't really playing. And then they started kind of picked it up and started playing again. And then um, I don't think they were really, I think they were just playing shows. There was no recorded material, no no new material. And then um, I'm trying to think when this happened, the second so like the last song that we had, the last song we actually recorded that was new was on, it's on our band camp and it's kind of a demo still, it's called uh, Millions. So that was like the last thing we recorded. That's not like that hasn't been like officially released. Okay. That's something that still could possibly be released. Uh, Between that, it's kind of a blur of just people getting married and like having kids. And then I ended up rejoining again and then we're playing shows and, you know, it's hard when you have like kids in your careers to really get stuff going and have a lot of songs going because there's just so much, there's so much going on in our schedules and there's cancellations and people need to attend to things in their lives, and that's obviously a priority. Yeah. And so after a while, I was like, well, doing an album might take a long time, even though like that's the ultimate goal. But why do, we don't have to do that? We can just do one tracks, or we can do EPs, or we can do however we want. But we should get stuff out there because it's been so long, and it'll kind of like hit the reset button for us. And so we and can see if people will like it. And that's kind of where we're at right now. It's like we we had a bunch of songs that we were excited about. Let's like, oh let's put these out. Like let's get them recorded and make. Sure see what happens.
0: Yeah. So you guys were still basically in touch with each other from six to through 18, just, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, demoing songs, but not necessarily getting together to play shows or, or, or record anything in particular.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly.
0: So what, what was the uh, impetus to get together now and, and say, Hey, all right, this is the time I've got, we've, we've all got time now.
1: Um, I think, I think we just felt like we had a bunch of stuff that we still wanted to do together. And so we actually got back together, I want to say a couple year years ago, and then we had like a, we had like a new, like sort of a good studio situation we could use with Dean's work. And I think it was just more, we were, we wanted to release something and do something and we were more like focused. Whereas after that second record, it was like, well, I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if I wanted to do, do music anymore. I was pretty burnt out. Like, I'd played in a bunch of bands. I was like, well, then maybe this isn't for me, or maybe I'll try playing with some other people or do my own thing. Or But I just sort of got wrapped up into not wanting to be in a band anymore and just take a break.
0: Oh, uh, so he, burnout really did set in. Then It was real. It was actual burnout. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, I really don't feel like doing it. It was actual you tired of it. Yeah.
1: And I think, like, the, the second record might have a little bit to do with it. Like, I was kind of bummed out. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done this instead. Like, I should have done this or this. But at the time, I didn't want to do that. I want I, I knew what I really wanted to do. I've never been, like, hesitant as far as what I want to do musically or what I want to bring to the table. So it's just, you know, a, a learning experience, I guess.
0: Would you guys think about redoing any of this stuff that you – maybe that you really liked on on other uh, days? No?
1: Yeah, no, I think you just leave it as it is. Okay. And then a couple of those, like a couple of those songs, we play live all the time because we really like them. Like you said, like we play, um, we play "Love Like the Movies," and then we play um, "Sink into Stone."
0: Well, those are my two favorites off the album.
1: Um, there was one that we, I'm trying to think of the other one that we used to play quite a bit.
0: I forget. Uh, well, know, you've got yeah on that and on that second album, like you said, it's it. There were some departures, like you have some keyboards and some female uh, background vocals on it, like on. Until yeah. it's gone, and mm-hmm. so is—is is that something that's that's just done and over with? That was an experiment, or is it going to be more of of uh, additional musicians and, and on the EP?
1: EP, there's no additional mu- musicians. It's it's really it's I would say it's pretty straightforward. It sounds like what we sound like live. It's closer to the first record. It's just sort of a more evolved version of us it just sounds I just think it's a better version of the first record oh it's wow. it's really massive if you like that sort of if, I mean it just sounds like what we sound like just sort of capturing that sort of chaos when we play live or we're, we're rehearsing it just is you know it's like really atmospheric and there's a ton of reverb and then we hit pedals and it gets noisy and there's vocal melodies and there's like big you know sort of the soaring lead and it's just kind of it's just basically what we what we do, we didn't really overthink anything. I mean, we're not opposed to bringing in our, you know, trying piano or any sort of overdubs like that, like we did with Number Days. But for this, we just—I think we wanted to. We just knew what we wanted to do and get it done quickly without really, really rushing it. So but how? We always think about those things. Like those things always come up in conversations.
0: Yeah. Is, so, yeah. How long is the EP going to be? A, a five, six songs? Like four, or? Like four songs? Four, oh, awesome! Good, a good mm-hmm. true EP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like these, these guys we've got this E P coming out and it's like seven or eight songs. That's an album. That's an album, yeah. I mean, come on.
1: I technically I don't know if seven songs is an album, but I know that eight songs is definitely an album.
0: It's gotta be. Yeah. I don't I don't care if it's it's a different version of a song. It's it's an album, just to say it's an yeah. album. I'd like to go more into the, the gear. Has has the gear that you've used over the years changed a whole lot? Um I know uh I was speaking with uh, Kelly Scott from Failure recently. And oh cool.
1: It, yeah.
0: Ellie, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge failure fan. And uh it, Ken and, and Greg, uh from the band, the uh guitars and bassists, recently got rid of a lot of their gear because the company that they were using did a whole bunch of updates and they can put they, they could put their sounds into um into a, a board or something, instead of having all these different racks and, and stuff, they would actually be able to do it all in, in one unit. So they got yeah. rid of a bunch of their stuff and, you know, and it, they were able to expand their sound and all. Do you have, has your gear changed a whole lot recently or, or actually throughout the years um, with, with the advent of, of emulators and things like that?
1: No, as far as like the live stuff, like the sounds were record, like I, like, like me personally, I've used sort of the same sort of digital reverb rack, like since day one, like I've used an Alisa's quadruverb forever.
0: Ah, I love that. I've got one
3: of those.
1: And so like the first band I played in, um, my buddy, Jerry, he had all these crazy, just amazing programs. And, um, yeah, he was like, Oh, like, I want you to use something like this and this for these songs. And so he sort of like gave me the tutorial and was like, this is what you need, you know, to play in this band. And, this will give you more reverb. And it was like a very, like at that time there were reverb pedals, but they were all very, very weak and they weren't, there was no richness or really good decay. They would all feedback really quickly. Like they were just pointless to me. And so like the the Alesis was like having these, like having someone who's like, here, use, use something like this. And this is how we do our sound. And then over the years I just would tweak it. And then in certain bands I would still use it, but I would use like, you know, much less reverb in a band. I say red laner and even with Alison's halo like we were more it was like less of that really like long expansive sort of decay and more like shorter reverbs and lots of maybe more delay but I've used it forever like I have a I always have like a backup and and like as far as fuzz pedals like I've tried a bunch of different over the years I've used different pedals Chase has a ton of pedals he he's always trying new things and messing around and with different amps that's pretty much it like there's no real like I've used almost like an identical setup, like throughout my entire life.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Well, I'm like- <laughs> I've been using Mongoose for, when did I start using that? I started using it on the second record, and I've had it since then. Oh, man. And I still use it. And then I don't really use pedals. Like I have a tuner, and sometimes I'll use an EQ pedal. Um, that's pretty much it. It's more just like I'm playing lots of reverb, and
0: it's either distorted or it's not. Okay. <laughs> well, that it works because I love this sound and its it's in fact it it's kind
1: of out... limiting in a way but at the same time once I start doing it I'm like, well, I I have to I haven't really thought of something else I wanted to hear differently. I mean, there's there's different things I think you can do like I've tried going the pedal route and I didn't really like that at all. Oh, no, no. wasn't that for me.
0: Well, I now I don't play professionally. I just I just play in in my front room here and and on. It took me forever to figure out that Nick McCabe used an Elisa's Quadroverb, and yeah. I went and I found one on eBay and I bought it. And I I, I keep it on like two settings just because it it gets that that sound off their first album, The Storm in Heaven, and
2: yeah.
0: it's incredible. And I I I've got one distortion pedal and I've I've got a, a Wah Wah and my Elisa's and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I I've my Proco Rat and that gets my nasty nasty distortion in if I want to just go straight distortion, but the only people I'm yeah. getting to hear it are my kids and my wife. So,
2: <laughs> but,
0: but now, as far as guitars, I know with shoegaze bands, it's it's always the the, uh, the guitars are always big. Everybody wants the Jazzmaster the, or something like that. What mm-hmm. what kind of guitar do you use?
1: Yeah, for um, I've been using mostly Fender Jazzmasters the last I would say ten fifteen years. In the past, I've had a Jaguar and. I had a Rickenbacker for a while Ooh. which sounded great but they don't really have the punch that Fender's get. it's like you have to add um I had to like buy an EQ pedal to sort of give it this sort of match levels with everybody else or if I wanted to switch from a Jazzmaster between songs I had a different tuning or something and I would if I plugged in like my, my Rickenbacker after playing a Jazzmaster I had to have a specific you know setting like the EQ pedal I had it designed just so it will keep me at that same level because it just doesn't have the punch that say like a a Gibson or a Fender does.
0: Ah, okay. So there really is something to the type of guitar you're using for this type of music.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The most important thing, like what kind of guitar are you going to use? What kind of pickups are you using? Kind of all starts there. And then your effects are sort of like the secondary thing of what do you have in mind? Like what kind of sound do you want and how do you do it? And, yeah.
0: So the EP that you're working on now—are you guys self-producing that, or is that uh, yeah, yeah. produced by? Okay, because you guys did work with Aaron Espinosa in the past, who produced yeah. uh, Elliot Smith and the, the Breeders, I think.
1: Yeah, he's he done some stuff with the Breeders, and then um, yeah, Aaron's a really, really cool guy. We almost—we would love to go back and record with him again, but it's sort of—it's more of like a logistical thing. It's more like it's—it's it's kind of far for all of us. Like we're all sort of spread out now, like throughout the South Bay and I'm in Long Beach. Arthur's in Malibu. Dean is close to me. He's in like Westminster, which is just, you know, east of me, but we'll see. Yeah. Aaron <laughs> is a good guy. He's really fun to record with. And he's just really knowledgeable about, um, just certain like recording techniques and things to do. Cause you know, like as, a, as like the type of music we play, we get very stuck in this sort of mindset of how we want things to sound. He's like, well, what if you did this or this or tried this? And, yeah, that's kind of like on the first record, like an example would be, um, I'm trying to think of the song. I I'm like blanking on it. So we did this song, and it's very like slow and hushed, and it has brushed drums, and it still sort of has an atmospheric guitar.
0: Okay. It's
1: the of the song this is embarrassing. That
0: anyway. It's been several years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't like just put on the CD all the time, but I'm thinking <laughs> like, oh, what is the song? But that song was a very faster, straight ahead, noisy song. And we came in then one day, and then we were just like we have to we should do we have to do something differently because everything just kind of sounds like the same okay and then he was very helpful with that, and so that turned out to be like you know one of our our favorite pieces on the album, it's so different, but it still achieves that atmosphere
0: so do you guys get a chance to go out and tour very much, or did you with the first two albums
1: no we like when we started doing this, we were already like sort of well into our career so it wasn't really like feasible and we weren't really that interested in touring i mean we did some things in san francisco like we played noise pop and we played south by southwest down in austin a couple times oh cool um we played in san diego and we played in tucson once we got invited to play there with american analog set oh nice that was really fun but we haven't really toured
0: so have you gotten a chance to play with any of the uh, bands that influenced you No. Oh, man.
1: Oh, no. Actually, no, we did. We played a show. We played a show with Chapter House. Chapter House did a reunion thing like way before. Not way before, but when was this? This might be in like 2008. So Chapter House did a bunch of shows in the United States, and we opened for Chapter House, and we played with Ulrich Schnauss, and we're like fans. We're like huge fans of both those people. And like, you know, like those first Chapter House EPs and the first record, like I love that stuff. And Ulrich Schnauss we're all big fans of, so that was a really fun night.
0: So, with, with shoegaze being such a, a dense type of music, do you guys have to do anything weird uh, in the studio to produce maybe to get some of the sounds? I've I've talked to a bunch of uh, musicians in the past. That a lot of them are doing weird crap. Like I I spoke with uh, uh, Black River Motorcycle Club, yeah. and Peter Hayes was telling me that he had he he stuck his head in a piano to get a a, 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 a certain type of reverb sound he wanted. And mm-hmm. his, on his vocals, and then he got really pissed off because he just realized the engineer told him, "All, all we got to do is turn your reverb up to this setting, and when you, it'll be the exact same thing when you play <laughs> live." So he got kind of pissed off because he, he sat there and sang an entire song with his head stuck on the piano.
1: Um, as far as our our general, like our base, not, I don't really call it basic sound. Our our sound, we don't really have to do anything special or crafted. We just sort of play live. And then with vocals, it's we just try different things that might be a little bit different or that might sit well within the mix. I think that probably that's, you know, so when someone's mixing the album, we sort of give an idea about kind of how we want it to sound. And we give them a little bit of free reign to try something, but like the guitars and the bass and the drums, same thing with the drums, like we mess around with some effects with the drums, but it's pretty straightforward. Like we just have this. Like we already have the sound going into it, and so we capture that. Like we're playing live and we record it, and then we just add in those other elements. Yeah, we, it's more. It's more like we're just trying to find a good vocal mix and drum mix that mixes well with the guitars, that big guitar sound.
0: Okay, because you guys know what your guitar wants, what you want your guitar to sound like.
1: So yeah, we're kind of like slaves to that sound. Yeah, <laughs> which is in a way it can be limiting, but also in a way it it puts you in parameters that. You know you have to work in, so it's like, well, let's try and find. We know it's going to sound like this most of the song, so let's try and find a sound or some sort of idea that might work differently. It kind of forces you to work in a smaller box.
0: Yeah, it, it actually, I think it probably makes you a little more creative. Because it makes you more
1: focused. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you're setting limits. You can't have. You can't be creative if if you don't have limits.
1: Totally. I totally agree. And there's a lot of people that would disagree It'd be like, Oh, I just want to, you know, I, I want all the time I need to do this and this. It's like when you have limits then creatively, you know, you're up against, you're up against something where, you know, you want it to be good. So you have to do your best and work harder to do that. And even if you, if you come up at like, you know, 99%, it's going to still sound great. Yeah, I'm a big component, like, proponent
0: of that. Yeah, because if if you don't have a, a a deadline or something that you have to work towards, you'll just flounder forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I've, I've taken up a bunch of your time today, but uh, where can people find the band? How can they follow you guys and get more news when the EP comes out and, and follow the progress?
1: Yeah, I mean, they can find us on Bandcamp and just type in the meeting, search the meeting places like bandcamp.com backslash meeting places. They could find us on Facebook the same way. We do most of our communication through Facebook and then Instagram. It's like the underscore meeting underscore places. Okay. So that's how we've been updating people. Um, you can buy the CDs on, at the Words on Music website. You just type in Words on Music in the meeting Places. I don't know the exact URL, but that's that's where you can still find our music.
0: Oh, perfect. And it's definitely yeah. recommended
1: yeah, so when we um we actually have a release date and a sort of a plan on how we want to roll this out, it'll all be through, like, Instagram and Facebook and probably do some email blast stuff. But, yeah, so we're almost there.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited. That's one of the reasons I reached out to you because I, I, I saw a Facebook post saying that you guys have been working on this EP and it was almost done. Yeah. So I I've, I've really wanted to know more about it and uh, cool. and, and get some – get the, The word out to the people who listen to this show, who might like the genre, and and let them know that you guys are still kicking around, throwing out, making some more noise, and hopefully we'll have something out real soon.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll be out real soon. So yeah, we're excited about it.
0: Thank you, Scott, for coming on. I really appreciate
1: it for having me.